A big shakeup, just breaking story out of Tennessee. The Titans are firing general manager John Robinson. Matt and I will get all over that. What's happening there with the Titans after a really bad loss in week 13? And some very questionable, one especially questionable move this offseason that really changed the tide for two franchises, including the Titans for the 2022 season. And another comeback victory for Tom Brady on Monday Night Football. But should it have ever even happened, Matt? All that and more coming up on today's Peacock and Williams. NFL analyst Brian Peacock and former NFL scout Matt Williamson bring you expert NFL analysis every day in less than 30 minutes. Get an inside look into the NFL on the field and in the front office. With elite breakdowns, next-level analysis, and in-depth information only for the real NFL fans. This is Peacock and Williamson, and it starts now. Welcome to the Peacock and Williamson NFL Show. Brian Peacock and Matt Williamson at BD Peacock at Williamson NFL. Thanks for making us your first listen here on the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Uh, With the news of John Robinson hiring Matt, uh, we're going to get to that. We've got a recap what we saw on the field on on monday night football while this breaking news just as we start recording rattles around in our brain for a couple minutes here about john robinson the gm of the tennessee titans being let go of his post um but tom brady another comeback win on monday night football this game was about as snoozer of a snooze fest as you could have for <laughs> yeah. about three quarters and then all of a sudden you know fourth quarter five minutes or so left it started to get pretty darn interesting and then it happened, and Tom Brady was able to complete the comeback for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, uh, one of a long line of comeback wins for Tom Brady in his NFL career, and that allows the Tampa Bay Buccaneers to at least be 500 now as they lead the NFC South with a 6-6 six and six record with this 17-16 win over the New Orleans Saints on Monday Night Football. Yeah, I mean, the end was fun, as you said, but much of the game was not super exciting, but I guess we should give these defenses some credit. I mean, two defensive-minded head coaches that, frankly, are on my list of coordinators masquerading as head coaches, and I think we saw a little of that with some game management stuff here. I didn't think Brady played very well till the end either and isn't really helping the team's cause. Neither team ran the football particularly well. Um, Shahid made some plays. Alave looks good. I thought Godwin had a really nice game, even though his numbers weren't fantastic. But there wasn't a ton of takeaways, except for this division's a tough watch right now, top to bottom. I think the Bucs will win it. It would have been a little more interesting just who would have gotten in the playoffs had the Saints been able to hold on. Um, I guess Atlanta still has a shot. But I feel like chances are Dallas is going to walk into whoever wins this division's backyard and whip them. I mean, that's the way it looks. Yeah. And it's getting to the point where it's like you, you got to realign how you're doing this with the divisions and the playoff seating at some point because uh, it, you have to at least be 500, I think, to, to be allowed to be a playoff team, in my opinion. And since there's an odd number yeah. of games now, that means you kind of got to win nine games. Uh, I, I don't think the league will do that, but and that's why teams play each other twice a year in division, and we'll see what it ends up looking like for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, but they just don't look like a playoff team, even though they no. won this football game. Tom Brady dropping back to throw it 54 times, and he just doesn't look like the same Tom Brady, and when you throw it that many times, and it's still you know 5.2 yards per throw, it seemed like he targeted Kate Otten a thousand times in that game. He ended up <laughs> yeah. only 10 targets, uh, six catches, short for 28 yards. Yeah. yeah, all short ones. He didn't have the touchdown pass to Kate Otten. Those little out routes were working. 
Um, Chris Godwin, the leading receiver, but he was only eight catches for 63 yards on 13 targets. There was a big one to Mike Evans that got called back because of the pass interference uh, that that led to one of those late scores. But um, overall, it's just like been that weird. We're going to throw it a million times, but not efficient, uh, not not. It's not a good offense happening right now with the no. with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Rashad White getting in there with a catch, but they can't really run the ball very well either. And the defense isn't playing as well as as I thought they would be. Although you know, holding the team to sixteen points isn't bad. But sure, Matt, I, we got to be honest. The big takeaway here with the New Orleans Saints is they had an opportunity with six minutes on the clock and up sixteen to three. You got to be able to close out that game. Oh, and yeah. Mark Ingram is is the one that really has taken the brunt of it. And he felt it because Mark Ingram uh going to social media this morning and saying he was sick about the loss. This is from Mark Ingram at Mark Ingram the second on Twitter. I'm sick about this one, regardless of circumstances or how I feel I have to get that fresh set of downs for the squad. I apologize to my teammates, my coaches, and my city for a crucial mistake. We work way too hard and sacrifice blood, sweat, and tears. I will be better. And the play that he is talking about there that a lot of people were talking about during and after the game was him running out of bounds just short of the line to gain, not getting a new set of downs. They didn't convert the third down, ended up punting away and losing that football game win. If they got a first down, probably is uh, is mostly over running the running the clock out there. So going out of bounds and not getting the first down, you know, he was banged up and he was hurt. That's what he's talking about with his circumstances there. But, you know, if he's that hurt to where he can't do what he needs to do on the football field, it probably shouldn't be on the football field. Yeah, I mean, a, a crucial, crucial mistake. And a couple further takeaways from that are, where's Alvin Kamara been? I mean, 12 carries for 26 yards. I'm not saying, boy, Kamara would have done it better or he should have been out there, but maybe. You know, I mean, like, isn't Kamara the lead back here? He's done nothing for a couple weeks. I mean, he's like the only guy you should be able to count on in this offense. And as so-so as, as Brady played, it was good to see that when you hand him a gift, he still makes you pay. You know, I mean, he's done that a million gazillion times in his career, and he probably was salivating when he saw that going, wow, they just gave me an opportunity. I'm going to you know, stick it where the sun doesn't shine, you know? Tom Brady is, is – is, does Tom Brady have enough left in the tank, does it look like to you? He looks like a different person. You know, I know we went through his personal stuff with Giselle and went through a divorce and things like that, but he's starting to look older. Like, in the post-game press conference, I'm like, is he is, is he dying his hair? Like, it looks like it might actually be yeah. dying, and his face is just a little thinner. He's just looking a lot older than he had even, I think, last year. Um, looking older on the field as well. Some throws that I think maybe old Tom Brady would have made. He's not able to make anymore. I think he's yeah. still playing good enough quarterback to win. The rest of the offense is is, is kind of bad. It's, you know, the, the offensive line's obviously not helping uh, the cause there and a million uh, holding penalties by, uh, who was it, Donovan Smith, left tackle? Oh, I was watching him. His, his hands are so low at the snap, and he just comes he's, up and grabs. and Bear hugs. It's like, well, yeah. come on, dude, move your feet a little bit or something. Terrible and, technique. Yeah. It's it's just really bad technique for for him. Um, he'd been playing too long to have that bad of, of technique. Right, but, right. He's just getting by uh, so, the talent still. Yeah. I don't know if it just makes Brady look older or if he actually is older. But just from a Brady standpoint, does he have enough in the tank to take this team if they start to figure some of the other things out? I think he still has the arm, and it comes out of his hands fine. I mean, he's never had a cannon, but he throws it well enough. Not as consistently, you know, make the throws kind of as you mentioned. I think oh, it's pretty by the good. way, the throw to Godwin in the end zone, 
that got called yeah. back for one of those holding penalties. I mean, that was a dime. That's like, it was. That's like an inch over the defender's shoulder, right into Goddard in the back of the end zone. That, that was a beautiful pass. So Brady still has that in the tank. He does. I, I think it's clear that he can't improv as well as he once did. And by that, I don't mean Lamar Jackson or run around like a crazy person. But, I mean, many plays don't go exactly how you draw it up, and he doesn't get out of trouble nearly as well as he did. Um, I think he clearly isn't as keen on getting hit as he used to. And it's funny you mentioned his hair. Like I watched the the, the press conference after and he's always super well-spoken and he cites that it's his daughter. So I think it's his daughter's birthday and great. You know, I mean, he's always aware of his self-image and I'm not even saying he's a phony, but I'm sitting there looking at his hair. I'm like, you might be too old for that haircut now. You, you know what I mean? Like it's, it looks like he dyed it and it's all spiky. And it's like, yeah, you're, you're a dad now. I mean, like it's it, like, it's Tom Cruise levels of how old is this guy? Really? <laughs> right, 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 right. You're not 25. And you know, I mean, like you're starting to not be cool anymore. You're starting to look old. That's one thing. The Manning's always had on Brady is they, they were never cool and knew they weren't cool. So they made fun of themselves. To, yeah. They didn't have to try to, you know, right, 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 right. Age where it's like, yeah, it's, it's harder to still try to be cool when you're, they played the nerdy, awkward <laughs> role really well, you know, right. Yeah, absolutely. All but right. yeah, I, mean, uh, it, I don't know. I mean, it just doesn't quite add up. Saints are obviously in a bad spot. Um, yes. I, I didn't like, uh, you know, I didn't like one of the, 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 the decisions to kick a field goal instead of going for it on fourth and one, which, I saw a stat that it was something like with fourth and less than two, um, Sean Payton's Saints were, I think, 20. In, um, gosh, and I don't have the stat for me, so I'm probably okay. seeing it wrong. But essentially it was like Real Dennis good. Allen always punt, always kicks the field goal in the situation. It, uh, Sean Payton went for it 20 times, kicked three times. Wow. In the same okay. like you know, same type of non punt situations, more field goal area situations. Yeah, I mean, an offensive guy versus a defensive guy, and yeah. I'm sure there's some people saying, "Well, if one guy had Drew Brees." I'm like, "Yeah, I get it," but I mean, it's true. And Peyton did have a better offense going, and right, uh, but he right was now, part of that. The Saints' strength is their defense, so yeah, I guess it I, does kind of make sense in that regard. But the Saints clearly aren't going anywhere. The Buc- the Buccaneers are luckily uh, in a division where it's going to allow them to make the playoffs, but. um I don't know how much further they're going to get after a their first pr- probably home loss in in round one of the playoffs. I totally agree. And just looking big picture, these teams are due to take a big step back next year, the year after. Like the the future is not bright, and it's not like don't worry, the a- or NFC South's in great shape. You know, someone's going to take it and run away with it. I mean, I would be really interested in that Carolina job. You know, maybe if I was Sean Payton, to be honest with you, like these two teams that have owned the division are going to fall off quickly. I'm not afraid of the Falcons. I'll take my chances with what I have in Carolina in an early pick. Although the saints have to trade him. So I don't think they would even allow that. To uh, right, 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 right. Good point. Next Matt, a huge shakeup. Yeah. In the other Southern division, the AFC South, the Tennessee Titans GM, John Robinson is out that is breaking news our thoughts on that and what is going to happen with the tennessee titans going forward next today's episode of peacock and williamson is brought to you by linkedin jobs these days every new potential hire can feel like a high stakes wager for your small business you want to be 100 certain that you have the access to the best qualified candidates when you're hiring right so why not go to the place with the most potential candidates 800 million plus network of linkedin that's why you have 
to check out LinkedIn Jobs if you are hiring. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the right people for your team faster and for free. John Robinson might have needed a little LinkedIn Jobs. Uh, might maybe. now, yeah. <laughs> then add your job to the purple hiring frame to, to make your uh, on your LinkedIn profile to spread the word that you are hiring. It is that easy. You utilize simple tools like screening tools, make it easy to focus on candidates with just the right skills and experience. So you can quickly prioritize who you'd like to interview and hire and probably don't trade away one of your best employees to one of your rival uh, competing businesses. That would probably help you out <laughs> as well, uh, aside from your hiring. It's why small businesses rate LinkedIn jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked on NFL. Again, post it for free at linkedin.com slash locked on NFL to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Thanks again, everybody, for making Peacock and Williamson your first listen today. For your second listen today, check out Locked On Sports today. From the games that matter the most to the biggest stories in sports, go beyond the scoreboard and behind the scenes with local experts and insights only Locked On can provide. Locked On Sports Today, available on this app, YouTube, and wherever you get your podcasts. John Robinson's out, Matt. I mean, this literally happened yeah. one minute before we hit record on today's podcast. And the, the low-hanging fruit, the immediate here, and we'll get a little bit deeper into what the, the Titans have looked like on the field this year as constructed by John Robinson through 13 weeks, but the AJ Brown trade sure. and you go back to draft night when AJ Brown was traded. It was a big shock to most people. And I think it was a big shock late in the process to head coach Mike Brable. And I think that's, yeah, a big that's I don't think Mike Brable was on board with that move. And I think after 13 weeks of the season, Mike Brable's like, well, you screwed up, so see you later. I think that's kind of what happened, right? It's like, okay, you went way out on a limb, John Robinson. You said you didn't want to pay A.J. Brown. You traded him away, and now A.J. Brown's got um, just absurd numbers compared to your entire receiving core on the Titans, and you're losing football games, and you need that firepower on offense to be that playoff team, and you're a competitive team that was trying to win now, and it's hard to do without a superstar player like A.J. Brown. And when you go back to draft night, I remember the scene when they announced the trade and they go live and they show the camera of the draft room of the Titans. Mike Vrabel takes a big walk and a big yeah. exit hands on his head. It did not look like he was in on that move. That. And now that I see this firing of John Robinson, I know for sure Mike Vrabel was not in on that. And by the way, before they even traded him, he said point blank when he was asked about A.J. Brown and the contract stuff. And if you would trade him, he said, uh, while I'm here, we will never trade A.J. Brown. And then wow. they ended up him on draft. <laughs> I forgot about the variable optics and all that at that, at that time. And oh, by the way, what you didn't mention, but kind of goes without saying, is you just played the Eagles, just got spanked by the Eagles two days ago, and AJ Brown lit you up. And Traylon Burks may be a fine player, but my hunch is this is not going to be a Justin Jefferson replacing Stefan Diggs situation. You know, I mean, Burks is not going to be Justin Jefferson. You know, I mean, and Brown is already elite. You know, you're a couple things. I mean, again, this just happened. So I pulled up drafthistory.com and I'm looking at some of their recent picks. And I'm going to ignore 2022 a little early for that. But Caleb Farley at 22 overall. You know, Dylan Reduce has not really worked out in the second round last year. Monty Rice is a third rounder, is not really a contributor. Isaiah Wilson's one of the worst 
picks of the last 20 years. I mean, he was, a, you know, he's not even in the league anymore and everyone knew about the off the field stuff. I mean, he was a third round pick on Darrington Evans. Um, Rashad Evans was a first round pick in 2018. He's a Falcon now. I mean, so a lot of misses. I mean, there are some hits, Simmons, Brown, who's not with the team and then some of those guys. But um, I would say, you know, if I'm ownership, am I thrilled with the succession plan at quarterback? You know, I mean, I'm not ripping on Willis. He might be great, but that's a risk. You don't really have something secure in place. I was really down on the Titans coming into the season thinking, boy, this team is just not very talented anymore. They're, they're due to crater and get like the eighth pick in the draft. Vrabel's got them to play better than that. But they lose all the good teams and they beat all the good, all the bad teams. You know, they'll, they'll beat the Texans and the Jags and the Colts, but they lose to the Eagles of the world. And my last note on this is I know this from experience because I was hired the day after the Browns drafted Kellen Winslow and I was fired the day after we took Braylon Edwards and I was in the war room for that. And why I'm telling you that is front office contracts expire right after the draft so you don't see a lot of these moves especially from a first place team taking place in December but I don't really know why because if you're not happy with this guy do you want him to have another offseason and another draft and maybe trade away something else you like or give whoever's in charge now a good four months or so to use what you have and prepare accordingly as opposed to waiting for another draft to come through that's a good point. Uh, I, I never understood letting a GM finish a draft. And I understand right. there's a whole process to it, and you have all the um, it did all the work, all the and, assistance, you know, right. and everything like that 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 you are in charge of. But you can't let the guy who's making the final decisions make picks on the way out. That just seemed weird. So I like the mm -hmm. the timing of this when they realize, well, that was the wrong move, and you're not the guy to build this team going forward. So uh, now that duty is, I believe, a uh, player. Director of Player Personnel, I uh, just saw it. Now I can't find it again. Okay. Uh, whoever the second man in charge is is going to be, you know, basically the interim GM now for for um, for the Tennessee Titans going forward. So I would imagine there's going to be a long process of interviews and hiring a new GM in this offseason and potentially maybe, um, you know, some a candidate from within getting mm -hmm. getting the bump up to GM. But um, Real quick yeah. on that, and I don't know if this is true or or not, and, I, and frankly, I don't even know who's in charge now. This just happened one second ago. But sometimes in these sort of instances, the guy that they promoted, they think is a wonder kid, you know, that they don't want to lose him to someone else's GM. So let's make him in charge now. That's who we want to run our organization Sorry, Robinson, you're in the way, <laughs> you know, and oh, by the way, we don't like some things you do. I don't know if this guy's good, bad or ugly. I know nothing about him, but sometimes you just don't want to lose the guy from within, too. It is VP of player personnel. Ryan Cowden is going to be their interim. Okay. GM. I don't know anything about Ryan. We have a statement, Matt, from oh. controlling owner of the Tennessee Titans, Amy Adams Strunk, on the firing of GM John Robinson, quote, since becoming controlling owner in 2015, my goal has been to raise the standard for what is expected in all facets of our organization. I believe we have made significant progress both on and off the field through investments in leadership, personnel, and new ideas. This progress includes the core of our business, the football team itself, which is regularly evaluated by both results, wins and losses, and team construction and roster building. 
I am proud of what we have accomplished in my eight seasons of ownership, but I believe there is more to be done and higher aspirations to be met. I want to thank John for his dedicated work to set this organization on an upward trajectory, and I wish him and his family the best. So that is from Fair Amy enough. Adams Strunk, the owner of the Tennessee Titans, the controlling owner, and uh, basically like, yeah, hey, good job. You did pretty good for a while, but now we need something better. We need something more to get us over that hump. And um, we, we saw how they fizzled out in the playoffs after being the one seed last year and, and have a worse team this year, clearly. And they're seeing that and it's like, okay, we wanted to go the other direction and get over the hump, not slide further down the hump. Yeah, I, I get all that. I mean, again, it's an instant reaction by us and um, there are some very questionable moves, you know, especially some first round picks on injured and, you know, character guys that have gotten nothing out of. And the A.J. Brown move really sticks out, of course, as you mentioned. I mean, yeah, the A.J. Brown thing, eight catches for 119, two touchdowns this week as the mm -hmm. Eagles beat the Titans. That's I mean, that's a clear statement, I think. Too, that right. Just, uh, I mean, it, 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 like, I would go as far as to say if that one move didn't happen, John Robinson would have his job right now. Probably. Especially, I didn't think you of the Bra Vrabel draft day angle, too. And you know Vrabel's got the best job security going, and it's probably just ate him alive all week preparing for the Eagles. And then game day, he's watching it. I mean, he had to go to the owner and be like, this is awful. How do we let this happen? Or, you know, I, I'm just guessing. But, you know. And the fact that A.J. Brown is out receiving their entire team, too. Right. On the it's season, not totally this, but right. happening after the Eagles week, too. I mean, that's brutal. It's so telling. It's so telling yes, the timing yes. of that one. All right. By the way, A.J. Brown, 61 catches, 950 yards, nine touchdowns on the season so far. So he'll get up over a thousand yards uh, in the next game. Will A.J. Brown, fantastic season he's Tremendous. having. And it's been yeah. an absolute difference maker for the Philadelphia Eagles offense. Next, Matt. Uh, how about we re-rank the top of our power rankings here and just right. see how we feel about I did 10 real quick. Here. Just scribbled yeah, them down. Okay. Yeah. So we'll all see right. how bad Matt's top 10 is, and I'll, I'll let everybody <laughs> know what the right order is next. Today's episode is brought to you by Audible. Audible is releasing a slate of new football podcasts that we're sure you're going to love. That's why you'll be able to find a sneak peek of one of the latest from Audible, Block Forever. It's available right now on the Locked On NFL channel. So check that one out. Block Forever. It's available on Locked On NFL right now. Block Forever is a brand new podcast from former NFL All-Pro offensive lineman Ryan Khalil and Audible. Khalil takes the conversation about football to the next level, gives football fans an insider's look, talking with some greats from the NFL, personalities, some of the biggest personalities of all time, star players, coaches, former pros across the league, getting real about what happens on the field, but especially behind the scenes, off the field in the locker rooms, uh, during team meetings, back at the hotel. You'll hear, hear from current stars like Christian McCaffrey about how he feels about fantasy football, Juju Smith-Schuster, and ton more. New episodes of Block Forever ready every Thursday ahead of Thursday Night Football. Get over to the Locked On NFL right now and get a sneak preview of Block Forever or catch the full series available anywhere you get your podcasts, including Audible. Get in the game. All right, lay it on me, Matt. What, where, how we, how we doing this top ten? Let's count in from one to ten. Which teams, if you had to lay your dollars on it, would be the team right now that would win a tournament if it started today? Okay, so I just scribbled these kind of quickly. Um, so I'm certainly open to scrutiny by you, listeners, whoever. 
Um, I have three tiers, and my just missed category of the top 10 in no particular order is Tennessee, who we just talked about, Tampa, who we just talked about, and Seattle. And I don't think any of them are particularly good. You know, I mean, I don't think any one of those three teams has any chance at winning the Super Bowl or is very impressive right now. Right. But they've done some good things. They've won yeah. some games, but they're a team that if you run into a good team, they're to going to be exposed. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so my tier two teams, and I'm not saying these guys can't win the Super Bowl, but I did think there was a line after the top five and from six to 10. So number 10, I have Baltimore, even without Lamar. <sighs> But I think that offense is troublesome. I think their defense is really good. As usual, they're number one in special teams DVOA. Doing a lot of Baltimore homework this week, as you can imagine. Um, But the offense, to me, is very troubling, especially with Huntley behind center. But, you know. Watching watching that 10-9 to win for the Ravens against the Broncos. Without Denver. Without and Lamar Jackson will be back. So, you know, I would do the power rankings as if Lamar Jackson's in there, but yeah. when Lamar Jackson's out, they are definitely in that other tier with those other teams and maybe even below some of those teams, just because I think they're a little bit different. Um, yeah. Even though they're playing, I think better ball than some of those teams, even with Huntley in there, but Lamar Jackson is really important to that offense and them going somewhere this year. So he's got to be healthy. I mean, the same is true for a lot of the stars, but I will say, no team relies on their quarterback to be a total superstar and get them out of trouble more than Baltimore. Right. Right now, this year, it's been Justin Fields and and obviously very different win-loss results and mm-hmm. Lamar Jackson. Those they, they have the biggest chunk of their team's offense. Yeah, good point. So they're 10. I have the Jets at 9. Still quarterback questions. I mean, but I think it's a very good defense. I like their skill guys quite a bit. The team other than quarterback to me is in very nice shape. And I think Mike White is the best quarterback they've had over the last two years. I mean, I guess that's the best compliment I can give him, but he's not terrible and he's efficient enough. I like it. Depends on who's ahead of him, but keep going. Okay. Miami at eight. I know this wasn't the shining moment for them and have some question when weather hits and ability to run the ball and all those things. But I still think Miami's a really strong team. I agree. I agree. I think they just ran into a really good defense, yeah, but yeah. I, I want to see a bounce back from Tua because it looked yes. a lot more like last year Tua than this year Tua. Yep. Yeah, hundred um, percent. At seven, I'm sure this will upset some people are the Minnesota Vikings. I don't think they're as good as their record. I, I just don't. I, mean, I have no problem with that. In fact, okay. I, I would probably on a neutral field have Miami over Minnesota. I was torn on that. That was a tough call for me, to be very honest with you. Maybe there's a little recency bias of Miami losing that game. Uh, I have your Niners at six. Um, quarterback questions. I mean, I, I, I can't put them in my top five. I have a tier break after number five, but I have the Niners as the best tier two team. Yeah, and it's totally fair. But again, even with rookie Brock Purdy, they still beat a playoff team like the Dolphins. Oh, I know. So yeah. You got to still have them ahead of the Dolphins, but I, I do think that they deserve to drop a spot or two, and you do have questions, and we'll see if if Purdy continues to play as well as he did in that first action. Absolutely. Um, five, really these top five were tougher for me than the, the, bot, the second five. I have Dallas at five, which I think is pretty disrespectful. <laughs> I mean, they just <laughs> destroyed the Colts, and they went into Minnesota and killed the Vikes. I mean, I think that's... A little harsh putting them at five. It's harsh. And at this point in the season, I would love to see them against the Bills or Chiefs or 
Bengals or uh, Eagles. I don't know what you have the order of those teams, but uh, mm-hmm. nobody wants to see the Dallas Cowboys right now. Yeah. And, and I wouldn't argue if they were higher than this on the list. And to pull the curtain back, you and I were talking about EPA for quarterbacks before we were thinking about maybe doing a segment on that. Dak is fourth in the league. I, I mean, like they don't have many weaknesses and people gave me a hard time. You know, you, you have, you, you think Dak's the best quarterback in the NFC. I'm like, yeah, I think he is. And doesn't get that kind of credit. Hertz is great too. Don't get me wrong. Bengals at four. Okay, I'm good with that. Yeah, I mean, just very well-rounded teams. Playing hot right now, just like the the Cowboys. I got the Bills at three. I got KC at two and Philly at one. But those top five to me are very tight. It's hard. And I I would even consider the Bills at five and have Dallas and see over them based on how things have gone since like week three and beyond. Mm -hmm. I mean, I don't think Allen is playing healthy at all just and, right now snapshot like those yeah. teams are very close and just with the record you have to put the eagles high like the eagles just went and got a, a, a gm fired that's how good they're playing right, <laughs> right, right, right. right. um and so you kind of got to have them one but i don't know if i'd have a big uh I, w- I wouldn't have odds necessarily in their favor against a lot of those teams you know against kansas city like i, I still right, might right. think kansas city's the best team but kansas city just lost to the cincinnati Bengals. Yeah, I'm sure so, there's. I'm gonna get a Bengals tweet or two. Yeah. You know, hey, do you happen to notice that the Bengals just beat the Chiefs? I'm like, yeah, I get it, and yeah. I I don't think there's a gap there hardly at all. I mean, again, mm-hmm. I think all five of these teams are really, really good. I Quarterbacks went with the, playing at a high yeah, level, extremely. Yeah. And mm-hmm. I put the Eagles one because I just think they can do it any way you want. You know, if one week they just run all over the Packers, the next week they just throw all over the Titans. You know, they 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 can expose weaknesses. They can play it any way you want. There you go. That is the official Peacock and Williamson power ranking top 10 after 13 weeks. If you don't like it, let us know at BD Peacock at Williamson NFL on Twitter or drop a comment on YouTube and we'll be with you tomorrow. Mailbag style. Get us your questions in right here. Peacock and Williamson.